Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. Sling and quack. Hi, guys. There is, uh... It has uh, been a disappointing amount of quack recently. It's been a very frustrating amount of, uh... Just completely diluted, just doesn't get anything going, just leaves you with a terrible, terrible feeling. Because um, things... I think that the room for the optimism that I've had for the football team, or at least the offense, has kind of uh, disappeared. For this season, you mean? Until Herbert's back. Okay. What we really need, we we need that blue magic quack. <laughs> blue magic. Or I guess it would be green magic. Yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah, let's... Uh, so we played a football game last week. Um, yes. Elsewhere in the department, things are going well. You know, uh, volleyball is, is doing well. <laughs> yeah, uh, volleyball is so doing really well. We all know that we're a volleyball school, so that's good. Yep, we're uh, a women's um, volleyball school okay. first and foremost, and a golf school. Yes, obviously. That goes without saying. Uh, but So we played a football game against uh, the University of California, located in Los Angeles. Um, how'd it go? Not great, Bob. Not great. It went okay? No. Maybe maybe a little bit? No. No. It was 31-14? So... The I have a lot of thoughts. So we're just going to go down the line. Uh, Great. I have always been giving the benefit of the doubt to the whole situation. But... And I know Rob Mosley and Willie Taggart have said that what they're doing at practice has not carried over to the game. Um, and at this point, I don't think it will. And that we are this, how we've seen Braxton perform in the last couple of weeks is what we're going to be getting. We can't expect really any improvement based off of what we've seen in the last few weeks. That's not to say that he's going to be a bad quarterback overall. I'm just chalking it up to he's a true freshman who was supposed to redshirt this year. And he just is not ready for this level of football, which is fine. I don't expect 18-year-olds to be able to do that. So, but, uh, yeah, basically, this is what we can expect. That's how my do, first how opinion. Do, how do you want to do this? Do you, do you want me to have a response for every one of your points, or do you just want to do one long, big rant, and then we'll get to a conversation? All right, yeah. Let me just let me just go. Let me just go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, It'll be. Uh, and that kind of leads me into thinking that the 
the coaching staff, at least on offense, really has its hands tied with what they can do from a play calling standpoint. Because a lot of this has been really, so a lot of this play calling has been really weird. I'm not one to question play calling. But this has been weird. And I think at this point, based off of just watching how, like, we don't have any semblance of a passing attack. Really. And I think that the play calling is really a function of us not having that. And even if it's like, keep them honest, like throw it deep. It's like, I don't think any defensive coordinator at this point is scared at all about the deep ball. Like they have zero concerns. I really don't even think if Braxton took a shot like every other drive, like a couple shots every other drive, that that would get them to back off. I feel like if even if they connected, they'd be like, all right, well, we dare you to do it again. So I think even as much as it sucks, like running the ball 80% of the time is probably our best case scenario. Even if it's like second and 12, we probably have a better chance of converting than throwing the ball by just running kind of between the tackles. Um, and we ran, we ran far more than 80% of the time. Did we? we, we I don't know the play count. 88% of the time. We ran 88% of the time? Yep. Against UCLA, we had 62 rushing attempts and 8 passing attempts. Yeah. Y'all can do the math. Only 8? Yep. We had more. Hey, but that's an improvement. Stanford game, we had 5 passing attempts. Yeah. So, the... And I mean, her... And Braxton's best passes were the pass interference penalties. That was a pretty solid offense for a little while. For being off. Oh, yeah. I mean, on the plus side, now that I've said a lot of critical things about him, and again, that level play is what I expect from a true freshman quarterback. We were blessed last year with Justin Herbert. Like, Justin Herbert is not the normal true freshman quarterback. Yeah. And they said, like, oh, like, some people were like, Herbert started last year, and everyone's saying, everyone within the program that I, that, that we know that was there at the time, and, and Rob Moses says this too, Herbert was not the guy when fall camp started. By the time the Washington game happened, he was ready. Like, his play determined that he was ready. It wasn't injuries or... Dakota Prukop, quote-unquote, not getting the job done because the offense was still averaging over 40 points a game. It was because his, like, level of play was so high that it required that he started, that he that he start. Um, and then basically my last point is that – I guess I have a couple, but a couple more. One, I don't think the offense is as terrible as it seems. There are – and this kind of goes back to the same thing I said last year about this team, about the Ducks team. They will do they're, – they're a 90% team. They do things perfectly 90% of the time, but that 10% totally screws them over. Whether it's getting like third and fours, and then we have like a holding penalty, taking it to third and 14, which we then cannot convert on, um, or – 
basically running the wrong plays. You're trying to force passes on wrong routes um, and just doing so much stuff right and then making a one dumb move and kind of ruining all of it. Last thing, last thing, I swear I'm done after this. My only real concern now is that at some point the defense is just sick of having to pull the weight of the team and because they are doing their job throughout the entire game and at some point though they you just get worn down UCLA basically just went pretty hard at the very end of the game and you know they pretty much worn the defense down as much as you can um and there's a lot of pressure knowing that you're the unit that has to be doing like all the work for you guys to have any chance of winning. And so my only concern is that there just starts to develop some animosity between the defense and the offense, and that at some point the chemistry is just off. So those are my concerns. I think those are valid. Um, you know, I I agree wholeheartedly with your assessment of Braxton Burmeister and what we can expect from a true freshman quarterback that up to this point, you know, three games away from being a redshirt for this year. Um, With that being said, I think that, and this kind of jives with um, your first and your second point about Burmeister and about the play calling in general I think that we have seen progression over his three games as a starter where he has been feeling more comfortable um, now, obviously, within reason. He's not lighting the world on fire. I mean, right now, he has a... Let me look it up. I just saw it. He has a 15% sack rate. I mean, that that's astronomical. Uh, for a comparison... Justin Herbert's sack rate uh, prior to his injury was 3.8. And that's pretty pretty normal. Um, but I think that we have seen slowly Burmeister become more comfortable. He's been comf- more comfortable and there's been more play calls to take shots deep. Um, in terms of incremental improvement, he's been doing a better job when he runs about sliding and making safe plays in the running game. Um, so, you know, that's been that's been positive. He hasn't been quite as um, jumpy in the pocket, although he's still just like pretty much any true freshman. If he feels any sort of pressure at all, he pulls it down and tries to run. Which, you know, that's he'll learn eventually. Uh, but I agree. The, the, this offense is it is what it is right now. Now, with that being said, um, I do think it's pretty impressive that even with a combined thirteen pass attempts over our last two games, we. In the Stanford game, we ran for 276 yards. And in the UCLA game, we ran for 246 yards. So between 13 completions, we had 15 attempts last game. Yeah, 15 attempts. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 
I was looking at um, completions. Yeah. Anyway, regardless, um, I mean the fact that we, for an offense that is as one dimensional as it is right now, the fact that we're putting up 250 yards of of rushing offense is pretty incredible, and it speaks to the amount of talent and depth that we have at that position. I mean, UCLA game, we didn't even play Tony Brooks James because he was out with the concussion symptoms, and we still racked up that yardage. Yeah. Um, I agree that I would be a little bit concerned about at some point the defense just saying, screw this, we're out. Uh, yeah. You know, we've seen that happen on other teams. Most recently in my head, uh, we saw that last year with the Denver Broncos where their defense was stellar and then all of a sudden they're trying to replace Peyton Manning and towards the middle and the end of that season, you're hearing rumblings out of their locker room that, you know, there's either fights in the locker rooms or the defense is sick of carrying the offense's weight. I, I, I think that's a valid concern. But based on what I'm hearing in interviews and from fake news, Rob, uh, <laughs> and, and the post the post game pressers, everybody is saying the right thing from the coaching staff to the players. You know, it, the defense in the post game pressers is not pointing the finger and saying, "Listen, we only gave up 31. We should be getting wins right now." The defense is saying. We gave up too many explosion plays, and we need to be better. And so the fact that they're saying the right things makes me hope that that's not just talk. Um, that's kind of my thoughts on that UCLA game. I mean, overall, I think the team, they didn't quit. They showed good heart. There, everybody knows we're limited on offense. Um, yeah, and, and injuries are taking it a toll on defense as well. I mean, our starting linebackers played virtually every single snap. Yep. Uh, so did uh, Lamar Winston Jr. Yeah, he was a monster. Troy Dye played well. Um, Jordan Scott had some very good plays. I thought our our secondary, although they gave up some explosion plays that that were really killers for us. Um, overall, I thought our secondary played played pretty well. I know um, Arian Springs and one other guy got Pro Football Focus's highest graded um, in the Pac-12 for this last week. Mondo. Yeah, Mondo. He played. He played well. Um, you know, it, this team honestly, it's it's kind of right now. It's what we thought it might be in our middle of the road to lowercase scenarios at the start of the year where maybe we thought things took a little bit slower than they did at the start of the year where if you're watching a game you really just got to look for improvement you got to look for effort and you just got to see that this team doesn't quit and as long as this team doesn't quit and stays together then I think this season will be mission accomplished I mean we still have what Four games left in the regular season, yeah. plus a bowl game if we're lucky enough to get there. Yeah, uh, it's you know, it's, it's Utah. Who is it? Utah Houston. at Washington for Hate Week. God damn it! The 
Excuse me. <laughs> Arizona, who is at the start of the season, I mean, I thought that was almost a guaranteed win, and they're definitely a resurgent program. No and kidding. then Oregon State, who is just it's just sad. I would not get I would not get worried by their uh by their close loss to Colorado. That's like the best punch that they come back with. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Um so I don't know, that's that's pretty much my thoughts on the UCLA game. I'll keep it we'll keep it short. Um do you have any closing thoughts before we move on to the Utah preview? Um Yeah, I mean one of the you really touched on this. But I, I agree. One of the most impressive things is that even though we are obviously so one-dimensional, and our coaches know it, our fans know it, the defensive coordinators know it, uh, and the ability for our line to get rushing yards is phenomenal. Like, Darian Felix averaged 4.3 yards a carry. Royce Freeman uh, averaged 5.5 Um and that's just a I mean that's that's fantastic and uh, like a lot of the plays go for like two yards but every once in a while you get a few back to back plays where Royce will get 13 yards then he'll get 18 yards then he'll get 12 yards and it all starts kind of adding up and a lot of that I think is uh, one of my favorite phrases basically is like uh, that Teddy Atlas uses on boxing, like when people take body shots, because it doesn't give like a lot of indications. It's not, it doesn't look that effective uh, when people are doing it, especially in the first rounds, first couple rounds. But you don't see the results in the first two rounds. You see him in rounds like seven, eight, nine, and when you hit the championship ones. Um, but uh, but he always says, like, if you want to take down a house, you start with the foundation. And body shots is like putting water in the basement. And so, like, a lot of the running plays I see where we have, like, two yards or, like, it'll be, like, two yards. And then we'll maybe get, like, a short pass for six yards. And then maybe we get, like, another two-yard run. I always kind of just think of those two-yard runs as just putting water in the basement. Just wearing them down. Because over time... Royce Freeman and the offensive line is going to start just opening up holes. And, and I think that's a good point. You know, actually, um, this last week on Sunday, I watched some of our first couple games, um, not necessarily against Southern Utah because I think that's kind of like a wash, um, yeah. but the Nebraska game, the Wyoming game, um I watched some of those, and I, I paid attention to the line compared to more recent games. Um, and the reason I did that is actually I, I, I was kind of disappointed in the line against Stanford, which they're a really good team. I mean, they're, 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 Stanford is very good. Um, so I wanted to see how and if the line was improving. And I think that they're transitioning well and they're starting to get their um, their mojo going with this new kind of more power-centered run-blocking scheme mm-hmm. rather than these zone reads. 
Um, you definitely saw that against UCLA much more than we did against um, Stanford. And, th- and that's what I thought really put us in a hole against Stanford because we would have, rather than the two-yard run or the three-yard run, we would get stuffed against Stanford and then be in third and 10 or get a penalty and be in third and 15. And yeah. with a back like Burmeister where we are limited, that's not a winning recipe. But against UCLA, when we did have it rolling, just like you were saying, it was either two-yard run, five-yard run, maybe Royce breaks one for 12. And then all of a sudden in that second quarter, the offense was putting together some drives. I mean, we had, what, like a 79-yard drive, a 75-yard drive, I think back-to-back. Yeah, and they were like 15 plays. And, And that's the way that this team is going to be successful right now. Now, I actually have some questions about whether that's smart long-term. I mean, you have to, if you're a coach, you have to try and win games with what you have. So that's just the game plan that you have to have. But you also need to put Burmeister in a position where he he can throw the ball. I mean, it's, you have to do some balancing act between a win-now mentality and trying to develop players. Um but that's kind of my thoughts on the UCLA game. Yeah, and I, I, the thing that has been kind of confusing to me about the um, setting up things for Braxton is like we haven't seen really any wide receiver screens run. And I think we saw it ran twice against UCLA, and I think both times they got at least five yards. And it's that kind of like throwing triple options in or throwing in some more like run pass options, just one read, one quick read and go is really the best route for him. So, and that's why I really think that right now he's just not capable of doing that. Yeah, I I would agree if we have Because it's so obvious, like it's football 101 that that's that's like an easy thing to do. And the fact that the coaches aren't doing it just tells me that they don't think he can. Well, that, and it's part of Willie Taggart's offense. If yeah. you look at USF tape, they had that in their offense. So I would agree that at this point, if we're not seeing it on the field, it's, it's not, he's not ready to, to execute on that yet. Yeah, and again... He was supposed no to redshirt this year. Judgment-free zone. He was supposed to redshirt this year. We can't expect that he's going to be like really anywhere close to Herbert. Herbert's an anomaly. All right, so let's move on to Utah. Uh, so now, as you pointed out, Braxton Burmeister has a sack rate of 11%. 15%. 15%. Even better. Uh, so now he faces a defense that is known as Sack Lake City. Perfect. Perfect. Can't think of anything better. Although, I thought last year was the the uh, Utah game was the worst matchup by far. And look how that turned out. Yeah, it went great. Now... I mean, I think the obvious the obvious storyline 
for the Utah game is Darren Carrington returning to Autzen Stadium. Um, but I think more interesting to me than that is these are two teams that are desperate for a win right now. I mean, both teams have lost their last three. We've lost four out of the last five. And Utah's wins, or Utah's losses, they lost by three points to Stanford. They lost by one point to USC. Those are both heartbreakers. And then they just get housed by Arizona State. 30 oh, to 10. God, that was terrible. I remember sitting in the sitting in the in the Rose Bowl watching those numbers come across and being like, Whew, at least it's not that bad. So, you know, this is um, this is actually an interesting game. S P plus sees this as a virtual toss up. Oregon is favored fifty two percent of the time, but that does take into account our Herbert games. So I would say in reality, we're probably considering that we're the home team. I would guess that we're a four and a half point underdog. Do you know the spread? Uh, it's three to three and a half. Okay, so pretty close. Um, Which is way too low. That is way too low. If I was an objective better, I would be hitting Utah minus three. Like there was no tomorrow. You know, I is Oregon I really, is Oregon going to score seventeen points? Uh, I think we will. I don't think so. The only reason I think we will is because this Utah defense is not past years Utah defense. I mean, it they they started out well albeit against teams that are awful. I mean, they, they gave up 16 points against North Dakota, not North Dakota State, but North Dakota. They gave up 13 points against BYU, who is just a dumpster fire this year. They gave up 16 against San Jose State, who's arguably the worst team in the Mountain West. And then from there, it, it, their points per game has just been steadily increasing uh like I said, until they just got housed last week against Arizona State. So I, I'm i moderately confident that we can score 17. I don't know. I feel like I'm going out on a limb on that. You are. Well, so, we'll and the reasoning, the reason is UCLA couldn't stop anybody on the ground. They were literally the, literally the worst run defense in the country. And we ran over them, for the most part, and we still only came out with 14 points. Yeah. Um, so here's the reason why I would think that we would score more than 17. Um, number one, our secondary is, I, I don't know if this is still the case, but last week, as of last week, we were top three in pass breakups as a secondary. I think it's about time that that gets turned into an interception. And at some point, if you're having an interception and you're having those turnovers, it'll lead to a short field and it'll lead to points. That's number one. Number two, 
on the rushing defensive side of things for Utah, they're rushing S&P Plus ranking is just 56th out of the entire country. To put that in perspective, our rushing S&P Plus ranking is 30. And I think that we've done a good job, um, you know, defensively against the run is our unit, but we've also given up some big plays against the run, and I think that Utah is susceptible to that. Yeah. The other reason why I think that is because kind of just like us, not it's it's not as significant, but kind of just like us, Utah's offense is pretty one-dimensional in that their running back, their leading running back has 530 yards, you know, 5.1 yards per carry. He's pretty good. They have a mobile quarterback, probably one of the most mobile quarterbacks we'll see this year, yeah. other than Arizona's quarterback, who's just all of a sudden putting up like three bills a game. Oh, my gosh. Um, He's going to shred. In terms of pass catching, their leading receiver by far is Darren Carrington, and he has over double the targets of anyone else on their team. So I trust Jim Levitt to put together a game plan where if it means Arian Springs is lined up with him and we have a safety help over the top every single play, as long as you're focused on taking away Darren Carrington, I think their offense is something that is workable. Okay. So that's why I'm that's why I'm optimistic heading into this game. You know, I I don't expect a win. Um but I'm encouraged by the signs that I've seen in our team thus far, especially over the last three weeks. Um just in terms of not giving up. And so I, I hope that continues and I hope that we see some positive revo- results because for as hard as this team is working, they they deserve something. Yeah. You know, when would the when is the crazy craziness of the Pac twelve gonna gonna block all of its light and get darkest for the ducks? You know. It needs to swing our way eventually. Yeah. I know we're not playing in a night game, but the, the Pac twelve after dark magic has to favor Oregon at some point. So, again, I'm very skeptical because I think our offense is maxed out. It, uh, I don't think it's going to score many points. It didn't against the worst-run defense in the country. Um, so Things are going to be great, Rusty. <laughs> so take Utah minus 3.5. I would take Utah minus 7 even, like honestly, maybe even minus 10. I would even take Utah minus 10. Wow. That's significant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Do um, you have any final thoughts on Utah, or you want to move ahead to the uh, the week in college football? I just don't want it to be 2015. That was a bad time. Oh, yeah, that was... That Let's not mention that ever again. It's, uh, as we speak, that is next up on... Um, the Pac-12 Network Football in 60 2015 Utah, Oregon That sounds awful I, I don't know why they would ever play that game On Pac-12 Oregon <laughs> It's for the Beavers 
Yeah, um, it's for the Beaver fans and maybe the maybe the Huskies that live in the area. Ugh, that sounds awful. So, what are your uh, what are your picks for interesting games this week? Oh well, first off, we finally get the matchup we've been waiting for: Penn State, Ohio State, at the Horseshoe. Ohio State is five point favorites. Do you think that James Franklin gets in a physical altercation with Urban Meyer after this game? No, but I want them to. Because Penn State was trying to put it down on Michigan last week. Oh, and yeah. They, oh, yeah. They were showing no mercy. They were running pass plays up very late on, like, third and 15, like it was nothing. Oh, yeah. James Franklin... Is 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 not here to play. He is here to just crush. Like he, I'm sure you remember too how lopsided the game was last year, and he was just like waiting for his turn. Like I was reading an article about how um, it was. I think it was like the San Diego State, the San Diego State running back broke some single game record. And Franklin put Barkley out. I, th- I think it was like the the player, like passed, caught, and rushed for a touchdown. And for no reason, Barkley hasn't played in a whole quarter. Barkley goes out and throws a touchdown pass. Sure, why not? And it was like uh, I forget again. I forget who they were playing, but Penn State was up like 42 to 0 or something and a the other team tried to kick the saddest field goal ever and then James Franklin ices the kicker and claims that he didn't have the right punt unit out there he he meant to get the second punt unit out so he ices the kicker to preserve a shutout and then oh, when they beat and nice. then when they beat Pitt afterwards he's like it's not really a big deal to us them beating it for them beating us is like the greatest thing they'll ever do we don't even think they're that big of a deal just like get out your body bags the the pettiness of college football is what i'm here for and not to be ignored during that same time slot that that time slot is actually full of great games because it's penn state ohio state that'll be entertaining if only for like the very highly ranked matchup situation, TCU Iowa State will be fun. That's on ESPN two at Who the same time. That was happening, right? I mean, Iowa State is check yourself, guys. Iowa State is actually like a pretty decent team this year, if and Iowa, TCU is yeah. not to be missed with. So I think if Iowa State wins this game, they're virtually a lock to win the conference. Unbelievable. Because they beat Oklahoma. They'll have beaten yeah. Texas uh, Texas Christian. They beat Texas Tech. Um, I think they're undefeated in conference play right now. And even if they lost to Texas, um, they would still have the tiebreaker over the others. And also at the same time, a feisty NC State squad goes up against number nine Notre Dame that just got done... Uh, I don't even know what a good metaphor would be, but they destroyed USC. The Fort Horsemen came 
from the apocalypse, and they came for USC in a harsh way. The bell tolled. Yeah, it was bad. So though that'll be a really fun time slot. Um, other than that, you know, South Florida plays Houston. That would have been really cool, like two years ago. Yeah. This year, it'll be fine. I mean, uh, that time slot is so crowded that I would watch the other games at that point. Oh my god, it's uh, absurd. Oklahoma Texas Tech has chances for craziness, and that'll be that'll be a later night game. Um, Wazoo at Arizona could be fun for some Pac-12 after dark situations. Um, Arizona State, they're playing USC, and traditionally, if you remember, USC does have problems with Arizona State, like when Mike Berkovici just threw that Hail Mary pass. I Uh, forgot about that. But I don't really think that's going to be that much of a game. I think USC, after the Notre Dame game game last week, uh, will be out for blood in Tempe. I think Arizona State's going to win. I hope so. That'll be fun. Also, Hawaii kicks off at 8.15 on ESPN2. Ooh. So you're not going to be like me trying to download this dumb stadium app where yeah, don't. that's trying to become this like network. And meanwhile, they have guys doing interviews and like talk shows with iPod earbuds in. Ridiculous. Um, did you touch on uh, NC State and Notre Dame? Yes. Yeah, that's the same time slot with... Uh... With TCU and uh, with Penn State. Yeah. Oklahoma State at West Virginia. A game that could be a lot of fun that uh, is largely going unnoticed. 5 p.m. on Friday. Tulane at Memphis. Go Green Wave. That could be a fun one. Um, And... And I would mention Oregon State on Thursday, but you don't want to subject yourself to that. Stanford is uh, eighteen and a half point favorite over the Beavs. You could just skip it. Be a dad or something. I, I would. I would. I would hit Stanford on that if betting were legal. So this is just for entertainment purposes. Um. In other news. Yeah. So this always makes me mad, though. Like. Going back to like what you pointed out with how busy everything is, you have Penn State, Ohio State on Fox, Georgia, Florida on CBS, TCU, Iowa State on ABC, NC State, Notre Dame on NBC, UCLA, Washington on ESPN2, and Michigan State, Northwestern on ESPN. Are you kidding me? Why? Why? That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Hey, guys, how would you guys figure it out and then, like, figure out how to space it better? So you could put, like, Penn State, Ohio State at, like, five. I don't know. Put Georgia, Florida at CBS. Sure. Why not? Put uh, Indiana Central time. Screw it. Put UCLA, Washington at 9 a.m. Let it go crazy. Who knows? But just spread these out. Like... I've got a setup. I've got a setup, and even I would probably have to do some 
some weird configurations to make sure I could get all the game all the games on. Ladies and gentlemen, the year of rusty salt continues. <laughs> I'm just so mad about so much stuff. <sighs> so, in other news, um, Oregon's really a basketball school, and we have basketball coming up. This let's could touch, be fun. Yeah, let's just touch on this briefly. I know you haven't had the time to read it yet. I read it once through. There's a lot of stuff in it, but basically, Sports Illustrated did an article about how the University of Oregon is not following through on basically investigations that needs to be done by law in their own policy on sexual assault, notably by former basketball players. Um, we just know that it's basketball players here. It's been very high profile. This could extend to pretty much everybody at the school. Um, and an interesting caveat that they also made was that like the policy doesn't require the U of O to tell anyone at the athletic department of an investigation or anything like that unless it puts the student's eligibility at risk. So... There is some reason you could reasonably say that the athletic department didn't know. I think it maybe a lot of skeptical people are going to say, of course they knew. I'm saying that there is realistically a way that they could have not known. Um, but the article actually doesn't blame the athletic department. It actually goes in much harder on the U of O administration as a whole. So, I thought it was in, I thought it was a really good read. Has a lot of Title IX lawyers. Has a lot of statements from the school. I highly recommend it. Um, yeah, we'll link it down in the uh, in the description section. Yeah, um, I I haven't read it yet. Actually, we uh, I've been pretty busy at work, and you just told me about it, so I will read it soon. Um, but definitely something to. To look forward to, or not look forward to, but look, <laughs> look forward into. to. Here's how our university is probably being a, uh, being totally ruining this whole thing. Um, I mean, there's in terms of college basketball, there's that in the news. Uh, there's a whole entire FBI investigation uh, about not our school, luckily. Yet, uh, um, but there are a ton of recruits that are decommitting or getting caught up in this. I mean, um, most notably for us, uh, Arizona at this point off the top of my head, they have now lost two, uh, four and five star recruits, um, for this upcoming year. Um, it's, it's not looking good for the sport of college basketball at this, at this moment. Um, but hopefully, whatever comes out of this investigation, because the FBI actually has power to do things, other unlike the NCAA. Uh, NCAA has power. They just don't want to do anything. That's right. FBI has incentive to do things. Um, ho- hopefully, this this kind of sets a, a, a precedent that can clean up the sport going forward in terms of recruiting and bag men and, and that type of thing. Um Okay, now I'm angry again. So, the NCAA... 
the NCAA goes all in on USC because an agent was buying Reggie Bush's family a home, uh, and it's pretty clear by the evidence that all these things that the NCAA alleges, they have no proof for. Most of the proof goes against what they say. Um, you have Todd Gurley, who is basically just like selling off some clothes uh, to get some money, and they are like banning him from, from uh, they're taking away all of his eligibility. North Carolina is running sham classes. Just sham, not even offer, like, you just, you, you don't even, I mean, the most insulting part is that they didn't get guaranteed A's. That, that's what I'd have the biggest problem with. Like, if you're going to throw fake classes, just give away fake A's. Like, why not? But, and the NCAA is like, nothing we can do here. It's like, aren't you guys the ones that are just like, like the NRA with like, for my cold dead hands, just like student athlete about, about like this whole amateurism thing. And then you have like, oh, we have this sham university program that is only because athletes need to get be getting special treatment so that they can stay eligible by grades. And like, oh, nothing we can do. What are you going to do about it? You know, kids these days. Are you kidding me? These guys are a bunch of wusses. They don't care. They don't care. <laughs> so? I'm stopping now. <laughs> I could go on for a lot longer. So, uh, for those of you who have not paid attention to Oregon basketball since uh, since they got knocked out of the Final Four last year, uh, there's been a lot of turnover. I, uh, like, Peyton Pritchard's back. Exactly. Peyton Pritchard is back. There That's are a total it. of seven new members of the Oregon basketball team. Uh, Oregon is not in the preseason 20, top 25. They were picked fourth in the Pac-12 media poll in the preseason uh, poll behind Arizona, UC, USC, who returns all five of their starters, and UCLA. The usual suspects. But... Do not fear, Duck fans, because there is a lot of hope. Because, number one, we have Dana Altman, who has yet to not outperform his Pac-12 preseason media poll ranking. Um, and we're coming off basically the one of the best recruiting classes in Oregon basketball history. Um so, out of those seven newcomers, four are freshmen, true freshmen. Troy Bowden Jr. is one of the highest-rated recruits that we've ever got. He's a five-star out of Las Vegas, McDonald's All-American, Jordan All-American, uh, played at the Nike Hoop Summit in Portland. This guy is going to be exciting. Bagman all-world. Not only that, but we also have three four-stars. Uh, a guard, a small forward, and a, a power forward. Victor Bailey Jr., Abu Kabab, Kiki Gob, and Kenny Wood. 6'3", 6'6", 6'9". These guys are going to get a lot of playing time. They might not be good, like right away, but knowing Dana Allman... He will turn this team into something. And not to mention, one of the other newcomers is 
Elijah Brown, who's a, a grad transfer from New Mexico, and all he did for the past two years was lead the Mountain West in scoring in points per game. That's nice. That's a plus. This team could be exciting. I mean, we have a lot of long, lanky athletes, um, and led by Peyton Pritchard, who, towards the end of last year, I mean, he was a really good player for us. He ended up with, I think it was like two and a half uh, assists per turnover, which should just go up with the ball in his hands more. I'm excited about this team. It's, I don't expect anything like a Pac-12 championship or a Final Four run, uh, but I see this team similar to the current football team where it's a lot of young, very good talent that should be fun to watch for the next couple of years. Oh, yeah, and I think they'll do really well this year. I, I agree. Really well this year. Um, one of the things that's really stuck with me, even since, um, is has really been since the March Madness of this last year. And so I listen to a lot of basically like sports betting podcasts where they have um, guys who basically handicap games for a living. So the definition of putting your money where your mouth is. Um, and they were all really high on Dan Altman. And they thought that he was maybe one of the best two or three coaches in the country by far. They're also very critical of some people that are brand names at some prominent schools. Um, but their reviews for Dana Altman were just amazing. And so I really think that, obviously, that's one of the reasons why they are constantly outperforming expectations is because he gets these guys to be better than some of their parts. So, well, and particularly, he, Dana Allman is also particularly good at making in-game adjustments. Yes, uh, fantastic. You know, there, were, there were many games last year, uh, off the top of my head, the game at Oregon State, um, was one of them where talent-wise we were much better than Oregon State, but for whatever reason it was a close game. And then second half, an adjustment gets made, and that allows us to pull pull away and escape from Corvallis with a win. Now, you know, in a college basketball season, unless you're, even if you're a team like Kentucky, there are going to be moments where and games where you just don't come out hot but having a coach like coach Altman allows us to have a greater chance of escaping those and playing more consistently over the course of the season um i'm just i'm I'm excited about this season it it starts before you even know our first exhibition game is this saturday on october 28th um and that'll be against idaho and then from there, we play Northwest Christian. The highlight of the, the non-conference schedule is definitely the PK-80 Invitational up in Portland, where we start against Connecticut, and then it'll either be DePaul or Michigan State, which it'll probably be Michigan State because they're the number two ranked team in the country right now. Um, Fake news. that be fun. And then from there, Pac-12 play starts on December 29th. 
and all of a sudden it's basketball season, guys. When March comes around, kidding. Um, kind of. Guys, if you are lucky enough to live in Oregon, please go to Matthew Knight Arena and support this team. Like, I don't know what more this squad can do over the past four to five years to get fans to go to the games. They play exciting basketball. The ticket prices, if you look at them, even for like a season ticket, uh, if you're, they have this young alumni program now where the price increases as you increase in age. And it starts like, it starts at like $199 or something off the top of my head. I mean, the, it's ridiculous. So go watch this team. This is going to be a fun team, not only for this year, but setting up success in the future. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm going to try and hit up some weekend games. Those weekday games, you just, just cannot swing them. Oh, and I, and I totally get that. I mean, yeah. a, a large portion of the Ducks fan base for football, for basketball, for all of our sports comes from Portland area, um, to a lesser extent, it comes from places like Bend and Medford where they're driving, you know, two and a half, three hours to the games. I totally understand not making a weekday game if you live in Portland. Um, but don't don't let this season go by and be like, oh, man, I really should have gone to more than one game. That would have been fun. Because I think this team will take people by surprise in the conference. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited. All right. Uh, thoughts for uh, for this this session of slinging quack? I am such a downer. <laughs> I'm just fired up about a lot of things. <laughs> you just you just love ranting. Just I don't know. There's just there's some things I just get really I'm just getting really heated about right now. Pac-12 refs are terrible. Still, although I did find some solace in seeing almost every other sports writer tweet out the same stuff that I was ranting about a couple weeks ago. Obviously, they listen to Sling and Quack. Um, but, you know, it's just... Oregon's get, watch Oregon win this game, and then I'm just going to be all on the bandwagon, just pounding Kool-Aid again, like... If only we were playing Bama this next week. We are firing on all cylinders. Hey, Burmeister was the number seventh ranked dual threat quarterback in the country. And if there is one thing that will tear an Alabama team apart, it is a mobile quarterback on his game. Yeah. Because that totally worked for Johnny Manziel the second time. Yeah, whatever. Sean Watson the first time. They're just data points. That's that's a myth that's been busted. It's basically like you just need a really tall wide receiver who's just going to break things down, like Mike Williams or Mike Evans. Oh, Mike Evans is a beast. Anyway. A 6'5 guy that moves like a guy who's 5'10"? Okay, cool. Yeah, just, keep, uh, just keep tossing balls to him against 5'10 or defensive backs. Those, those are all my thoughts for this weekend. I am devoid of thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, tough week in fantasy. Six teams on a bye. It's going to be a tough fantasy week for everybody out there. 
Rusty's just throwing shit out there. In completely unrelated notes. Uh, Tough week out there in fantasy. All right, so that'll do it for us here at Sling and Quack. Uh, We'll talk to you guys next week, hopefully after a duck win, and I'm proven wrong. Terribly, terribly wrong. Go Ducks. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.